Okay, we are going live here Thursday night, May 9th, and tonight's lesson, um, I'm talking about how God created us, uh, spirit, soul, and body, and I was, the other day when I was, I was praying, uh, this just kept coming up in me, it kept coming up in me, and, and so I turned, had to just grab my book and, and just write it out, you know, how I kept seeing it. So I'm going to talk about, you know, mankind and, and how God created us. Because if you understand that we are a three-part being, you know, like God is, he created us in his image. Uh, we know he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or or the Father is Word and his Spirit, because the, the Spirit are the Son and the Word, they're, they're Jesus. And so he created us the same, and he created us with a spirit. And the purpose of our spirit is that's a place for him to dwell, for him to live inside of us in mankind. We are a vessel of the spirit of God. And that has everything to do with why Jesus had to go to the cross. Now, I am not a, uh, a theologian of any type. Uh, I... I always call myself more of a redneck logic than theologian. So hopefully the way I explain this tonight, uh, you know, it's it's simple. Um, I mean, there's somebody that's more of a theologian that would probably cringe at the way I'm teaching it. But, you know, I, I see things in a simplistic form. And, and that's what I want to talk about tonight in that simplistic form. Because the, the biggest reason for understanding that we are created... Uh, spirit, soul, and body is because that it's the, through our spirit and the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and our spirit and the spirit of God becoming one, as he says in Corinthians, he is one of the, with the, the Lord is one spirit. Uh, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. And those that are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. Everything has to do with the spirit when it comes to man and God in the interaction between man and God. So it's super important that we understand if we're going to mature in the things of God that we're made out of uh, the same likeness of God with spirit, soul, and body. And so that's why I really want to, to teach this because, you know, I can teach about being led by the spirit, but if you don't understand that it's the Holy Spirit living in your spirit, uh, that your spirit is actually the vessel for the Holy Spirit to dwell in, and, and it's through that that God really communicates to us and, and lives through us, then, you know, it, it's kind of like trying to talk from the outside in and not really understanding it, where God wants really to talk from the inside out and, and change us and transform us uh, into his likeness and his image. And it's by his spirit that he does that. So it's important that we understand, you know, that we have a spirit and what is our spirit and what makes that our spirit different from our soul? So the image I drew on the board here, and I hope you can see it. I got some sun coming through my uh, window up there, kind of glaring here a little bit, is the center of man is his spirit. Uh, the Bible refers to the center of man as spirit or as his heart, which is the center of man. God created the spirit of man or the heart of man as the place that he dwells. We see in Genesis when he created Adam, it said he breathed into him uh, his life. Uh, it's called Zoe, the life, the essence of God. 
But we see also that when Adam and Eve uh, partook of the fruit in the garden that God told them not to partake of because that gave them knowledge of good and evil. And my revelation of the, of the word is the knowledge of evil is the knowledge of self. It's a self-awareness. And in doing so, God no longer dwelt on the inside of man from the time of Adam and Eve until the time that Jesus breathed upon the disciples in the uh, when he the, the day that he raised from the dead and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. That was when the Holy Spirit came and dwelt on the inside of man once again. And just to make it kind of make you say a long story short, you know, the reason for Jesus coming and going to the cross like he did was that he had to basically, okay, this, this is a water bottle in here and inside of here I have clean water. Now, if this bottle had been sitting outside um, or picked it out of the trash can and the top was open or whatever, I would probably uh, purify this before I would go put water in it, right? So if our spirit is the place where God dwells, God basically had to purify our spirit from sin in order to come and dwell once again in man. And that has a lot and everything to do with Jesus going to the cross and shedding his blood on our behalf. He paid the penalty and his blood's cleansed us from all that unrighteousness where God could once again come and dwell and live on the inside of man in his spirit and become one with the spirit of man. Okay, Our spirit and the, spirit and the Holy Spirit become one spirit. As the, again, I said earlier, he was one of the Lord is one spirit. And it's through our spirit that God leads us and guides us if we allow him to. Okay. And that's kind of what I'm going to get into tonight is allowing God to, to, to lead and guide us through the spirit. Because what I want to see here is through our spirit here is how we interact with God. That's, that's our, that's our, you know, it's like two people with walkie talkies, right? Again, this is redneck logic. Uh, two people walkie-talkies can communicate back and forth, but each one of them has to have like a walkie-talkie, right? Well, with God, we interact with God through our spirit. And those, when the Bible says that to be led by the spirit or those who are led by the spirit of the sons of God, those are the men and women who have allowed the Holy Spirit to basically uh, permeate into their being and they're able to communicate with the Lord and hear his voice and be led by the spirit of God living on inside of him. Now, outside of our spirit is our soul. This is where humanity lives. Humanity lives in its soul. The soul, I'll just use this. Our soul is our mind, our will, our emotions, and our intellect. Okay, that's our soul, our mind, our will, and our intellect. And, you know, it's one of the things when I was first saved, I had a hard time when I would see where it would say Jesus came to save souls. He came to save the soul. But I say, because it's our spirit that's born again, not our soul. Our soul actually stays the same until it's transformed by the Holy Spirit through this process that we go through in life, you know, walking with the Lord. But I realized later that it was the soul that needs saved because it's the soul, which is the mind, the will, the emotions that is corrupted by the devil, okay, by, by this world. 
Uh, and when I'm referring to the world, I'm referring to the influence of the devil onto this world. And so it's the, the mind, the will, the emotions of mankind that needs saved. And the only way it can get saved or transformed uh, in, back into the image of God or, or relating to God is through the spirit of God living on the inside of us starting to permeate out into the soul. But it just doesn't happen automatically. Like when we're born again, we're born again of our spirit instantly. But our soul is not. Our mind, our will, and our emotions are not. That takes a transformation, uh, it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And that word transformation is the same word that we use when we talk about a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. It's, it's a metamorphosis. It's a complete transformation from one thing to another thing. And our soul can be transformed. Our minds can be transformed, being renewed by God's spirit and by his word. And that's what links together our soul and our spirit. So, of course, we know what our body is. This is just basically our transportation system that gets us where we're going, right? That's what the body is. But the heart of man, again, is our spirit. We interact with the world through our soul, but we interact with God through our spirit. But God wants us, because we interact through the world through our soul, we, he wants our soul to be transformed to the likeness and the image of Christ himself. And so you see here in, uh, I, I put up some of these scriptures I'm actually looking at this right here on uh, Bible, Bible.com, and I using the uh, contemporary English version. Some things it, it's it's really kind of plain and simple, uh, but when I was trying to look up the transformation, the metamorphosis, it was too weak and watered. So I, I actually went into the Amplified Bible that kind of expands that, but. You know, he's, he's talking here to the Corinthians and he's given them a scolding because they are walking as carnal Christians, he calls them. He, he said that they're, they're carnal in their nature. What, and that, what does that carnal mean? It means that they are being worldly. Uh, you know, the word carnal comes from the word carne, uh, in, in which you know, like when I was in Spain, the Spanish used carne, it's meat. He's basically saying you're being meatheads. You're, you're going by your flesh. Uh, there's, there's other translations that call it the flesh. You know, that's what carne means is, is flesh, meat. But it means that you are being worldly. You're not being godly. You're not being controlled and, and influenced by uh, God. You're being controlled and influenced by the world. And again, like I said, the world is under the influence of the devil. And that's why we see the things that we see. You know, it's one of the things that, like, you know, we just see these school shootings and, and terrorism and all this stuff happening. You know, it's not the fault of a gun. It's the fault of mankind and his thinking, okay? His thinking is so influenced by the devil, uh, and he's a carnal mind. His mind, his will, and his emotions is, is messed up. And the only answer is Christ. Christ in man, living in and through him and changing his mindset. You know, I, I know that, you know, I've been, it was 26 years ago that I gave my life to the Lord. I was 26 years old. I'm 52 now. And in those 26 years, I look back at the way my thinking is and the way I deal with things and the way I, I you know, basically 
uh, interact with God and how I handle situations in my life, I handle them totally different today than I did 26 years ago because I allow the Holy Spirit in situations to live in me and through me. And I mean, I'm still carnal in some areas of my life, but I'm a lot further over into my spirit today than I was 26 years ago, right? But there is still between our soul and our spirit, I kind of call it a crust. See, our spirit wants to get, you know, the Holy Spirit wants to get out and permeate in our soul. But again, my redneck logic, okay? We put up a crust around it, holding him back. Even though the spirit of God lives on the inside of us, we're still holding him back. We're, we're not allowing Christ to permeate into our mind, our will, and our emotions. So we still act in our mind, our will, and our emotions worldly. Uh, you know, if we call them worldly Christians. People can be saved 50 years and never hardly let the Holy Spirit permeate out into their mind, their will, and their emotions. They still act carnal. And, and this is what I was seeing here in 1 Corinthians Wish I could highlight it, but Paul was rebuking them and he was calling them carnal Christians. He said, you know, you should be being led by the spirit by now, but you're still acting out in, no wonder I can't read it. I'm in Galatians. I'm supposed to be looking in Corinthians. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter three. Hey, there we go. All right, this is the first one, he says, my friends, you are acting like people of this world. Now he's talking to born again, which means the spirit of God is dwelling on the inside of them. That's, that's what they mean by born again. They've been born above, from above by the spirit of God. Their spirit and the spirit of God have become one, right? He said, but you're still acting like people of this world. That's why I could not speak to you as spiritual people. Paul was wanting to share with them the deep things of God, but they were still so carnal in their mind and their will, their emotions. He couldn't speak to them spiritual things because they wouldn't receive it. He said that that's why I cannot speak to you as spiritual people. You are like babies as far as your faith in Christ is concerned. So I had to treat you like babies and feed you milk. You cannot take solid food and you still cannot because you are not yet spiritual. You are jealous. That's a good uh, indicator of being a carnal uh, baby. Uh, you are jealous and argue with each other. This proves that you are not spiritual and you are acting like the people of the world. That's why I, I like, um, you know, this is called the contemporary English version right here. Because it's really plain and simple what he's saying. A Christian is still acting like a person of the world. You know, you, you, I know everybody has met somebody who says they're a Christian, but you can't tell them the di difference between them and somebody that's out there, you know, living it up in the world. Why? Because they are not allowing the Holy Spirit to permeate into their soul and change them into the likeness and image of God. They are not being led by the Spirit. They are not mature. Okay, they're still carnal. They're still worldly and acting. They're still being influenced in their soul by the devil, being led astray from the things of God. In uh, Thessalonians, uh, Galatians chapter five, he says, if you are guided by the spirit, 
You won't obey selfish desires. So here's one thing that the Lord has showed me uh, that I truly understand when it goes back to Adam and Eve. The knowledge of good and evil was in that tree had to do everything with the soul and with self. To me, this is sin right here. Self. Because all sin, the root of sin is selfish desires. It's an inward selfish gratification. And that's what the, what the Bible talks about sin is selfish desires. In a Christian, a Christian who still sins, even though they have been cleansed from sin, they've been forgiven of sin, can still sin when they seek out their selfish desires. They're not yielding to the Holy Spirit, right? What's the opposite of somebody who's selfish? They're, they're the opposite. They're selfish. They're giving of themselves without seeking their own in it. They're, they're outward giving, not inward seeking. Uh, you know, we were talking the other night uh, in a meeting about one of these, these guys that this, he's being accused of something at his, his job by someone. And he said, you know, this person has been put in different departments and the same thing happens in every department. And I said, guarantee that person has uh, a certain mental condition that causes them literally to implode. They're, they're imploding on themselves. And so therefore they act out selfishly, don't matter who they destroy. It's a selfish desire, okay? And that's why I think a lot of those conditions are, are influenced by you know, uh, the devil because that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to be selfish. You know, I, I can go back and, and show a teaching that when, you know, the devil, when he was known as Lucifer, one of the angels of God, God gave him a task, but he decided that he wanted to be like God. And that's what got him kicked out of heaven. That's in the Old Testament. And it talks about that. And he is basically the father of selfishness. He's the father of sin, which is self. And that's a good way to judge whether you're acting carnal or you're acting uh, in the spirit if you're following after selfish desires. There's many things that, that are in that you can find. Um, he said, he goes down down and he said, people become jealous, angry, selfish. They cause trouble. They argue. They're envious. They get drunk. They carry wild parties. They do evil things. You know, and he's trying to tell them, you know, you need to separate yourself from these people and you need to become led by the Spirit of God. So somebody who's led by the Spirit of God, and I'm, I'm reading here in Galatians chapter 5, and he said, God's Spirit makes us loving, happy, peaceful, patience, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and self-controlled. And he said, because we belong to Christ, we have killed our selfish feelings and desires. God's spirit has given us life, and so we should follow the spirit. But do not be conceited or make jealous by claiming to be better than they are. So the whole situation there in the area of our spirit to our soul, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to permeate into our soul, into our mind, into our will and our emotions. Because we need to allow the Holy Spirit to turn this self into selflessness. Where you become like Christ who didn't come to be served, but to be a servant. And, and as, he, as he listed off here in Galatians 5, you have love. You know, a, a good 
fruit. They call it the fruit of the spirit. Okay, that's what he calls it here. He said, you can tell them by their fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. These are things that you can see in people when they are being led by the spirit of God. They're not selfish. They're not seeking their own. They're not easily angered. They don't, um, you, you don't find envy in them. You don't find jealousy in them. They're not spiteful people. They are giving people of their heart. And you see that love in them, that peace and that patience in them. I remember when I was first saved back in Pensacola and I went into this business and I, I met with this guy. I talked with him. I walked back out, got in my truck and I was driving away and I picked up my phone. I called him back and I said, you're a Christian, aren't you? And he kind of hesitated. And he said, yeah, I am. Why? He said, I said, because I just felt peace when I was standing there with you. I could just, I said, you were so, I don't know. There were just, you felt the peace coming out of him, right? Well, that's one of the fruits of the spirit. The guy had just, I mean, you could tell, just being around him, it's like you wanted to be near this person because you could feel God coming through him. And, you know, and he thanked me. He said, you know, thank you for calling me back and, and telling me that. He, he said, that, you know, means a lot to him. But that's the whole thing that I want you to, to understand is the Holy Spirit wants to get out of our spirit and to our soul and permeate us and transform our soul metamorphosis, the, the transformation from, like I said, a, a caterpillar into a butterfly. And we do this through the word of God. It says, be ye transformed through the renewing of your mind. Well, we renew our mind with God's word, with the scripture, right? The more we look, the more we understand, the more we say, Holy Spirit, you know, like if, if I'm reading something in the Bible, you know, my first reading in the morning, I, I love to, to ask Holy Spirit, take this and transform me with it. You know, it, it's like, what are you eating in the day? Spiritual food. Are you eating uh, Fox News, CNN, NBC, all the junk of all the people you work with, all their jealousy and, and backbiting and stuff? That comes at us and that affects our soul. How about if we actually started our day out with God, with his word, and we ate of that word first, that nutritious food that transforms us and makes us healthy spiritually. Therefore, when we go out and we run into all that other junk out there, it doesn't affect us like it would if we didn't eat first, you know, of the spiritual things of God. That's one of the best ways there is to allow Holy Spirit to start breaking down this crust and start, basically, we're talking about the other night, light. <laughs> well, God is known as light. The Bible calls him light, life and light. He's, that light starts permeating out into our soul and we start being changed and people start seeing us differently. You know, I, I remember one time when I called home, <clears throat> my sister answered the phone and just in my conversation, I had a real short conversation with her because I was wanting to talk to my parents. And she just happened to be there visiting. And she says, what happened to you? I said, what do you mean? She goes, something happened to you. I said, what do you mean? She goes, quit playing with me. Something happened with you. And I want what you've got. See, she could tell just over the phone talking to me that the light of the Spirit of God was coming out through me. And 
it ended up, she got saved, her life changed. My parents got saved, their lives changed. All because I went on a journey to allow the Holy Spirit to escape out of my spirit and start permeating my soul. And, you know, like I said, I'm not there yet. I'm not walking on water. You know, I still act with that carnal flesh sometimes. Uh, Probably way too much that I should. But, you know, and my wife don't like me talking about this, but I'm going to say, you know, we went, there was a time just recently where we were fighting with each other too much. And it's just too much bickering back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And one day we just looked at each other and we went, what are we doing? We're not carnal people, but we're acting like it. And we just stopped it that day. I mean, literally we did. We just like, boom, this is who we are, not this. We're not self. We are spirit led, born of the spirit people. We have understanding. We have knowledge. We have wisdom. And we were just, you know, we let ourselves get over into that place of the flesh for too long. And we stopped. We started changing everything. We turned on worship music in our house. We started spending more time reading the word of God. Uh, We started praying together. And guess what? Everything changed. Boom. That fast. It, it wasn't like a transformation because we already are at a certain level in this walk. I mean, we, we didn't, you know, we both been born again over 25 years. So it was like we recognized, whoa, we're over here into the flesh. Stop it. Boom. Step right back into it. Step right back into the things of the spirit. And that's what we did. And it came, brought our marriage, boom, right back into unity with each other. I mean, Anybody's married, you're going to know. You still poke each other once in a while. Uh, I work at home, so there's really not a lot of separation between my wife and I. And we still kind of grind on each other. But we, you know, we know to walk in the spirit. We know to walk in love. If we if we do get in an argument, we know to, to, to repent and to ask forgiveness from one each other quickly. You know, and we don't keep going. We don't keep walking further and further and further out in the flesh. We just like, oh, out in the flesh, sorry. Lord, forgive us. Boom, we get right back into it. And you know the word repent? You know what that word means? It means basically do a 180 degree turn. That's what we did. We repented. We were, we were going out into the things of carnality and the flesh with each other. And we went, no. We repent. We did a 180 degree turn and walked right back into the things of the Spirit. Every day of your life, you come... If you work on it, you can come closer and closer and closer and closer to this. I'm going to tell you something that, you know, I'm not being judgmental, but something that makes me very sad is when I see people who have been born again for 10, 20, 30 plus years, and they still are babies. They're still carnal to a high, high level. They cannot understand spiritual things. They still act. I mean, what what is the difference between... A mature person and a baby, right? When when a baby's born, a baby has to be taken care of. They look to others to take care of them, right? But once they hit a level of maturity, a person does, they no longer need somebody to take care of them. They reverse the role and they start taking care of others. Well, something that I find so sad is when I find somebody that has been born again for so many years that they still have to be taken care of by others. They still are pulling and stuff from others. 
And there was one place where Paul said, you know what, by this time you ought to be the teachers, but yet you're still having to be taught. You're babies. You're sucking on milk. I can't give you meat. I want to give you meat, but you can't handle meat because you have never allowed yourself to be walking in the spirit. You keep walking in the things of the world, in your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. But we don't have to be there. We can allow the Holy Spirit who is dwelling on the inside of us, who is one with our spirit, to start shining out through our our mind, our will, and our emotions, our soul. And it affects us, okay? It affects the way that we deal with people. It affects the way we deal with situations. You know, if somebody, you know, calls you, okay, you're driving down the highway. Somebody cuts you off, you know? And they flip you off. And you basically, instead of flipping them off and calling them the F word back, you just say, Lord, bless them. Bless them. You know, somebody does something wrong to you, bless them, Lord. Forgive them. Instead of getting all angry and all filled with, with grudge and, and resentment. No. The Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control comes out of you instead of anger and resentment and being me, 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 me. Selfishness, self, self, self. Selflessness is where we're where we should be. All right. Boy, I'm almost starting to preach instead of just do a Bible study. Here is uh I'm gonna read this in a different version. I had this in the uh no, I'll read it in what I had it. The the common English version. This is Romans chapter eight. And I'm gonna tell you that I'll I'll say this, probably heard me say it a lot in my weekly Bible studies. Absolutely one of my favorite chapters because if you understand Romans 8, you're going to understand what I'm talking about. Getting out of walking in self, being a baby and becoming spiritual mature, a spiritual mature Christian. All right. It says, if you belong to Christ, you won't be punished. I don't really like the way they say that. Uh, King James said, those are in Christ who are, are no longer under condemnation. Because it has everything to do with what it was saying in the in the previous chapter 7. He said, the Holy Spirit will give you life that comes from Christ Jesus and will set you free from sin and death. The law of Moses cannot do this because our selfish desires make the law weak. But God set you free when he sent his own son to be like us sinners, to be sac- a sacrifice for our sin. God used Christ's body to condemn sin. He did so that he would... Do what the law commands by obeying the spirit instead of our own desires. Obeying the spirit instead of our own desires. People who are ruled by their desires think only of themselves. Now, when I'm saying their desires, there's some translations that are are led are fleshly, some that are carnal. Okay, but that's all have to do with somebody who is led by their own desires, by their own regen- unregenerated soul. They're still being worldly. Okay. He said that people who are ruled by their desires think only of themselves. Everyone who is ruled by the Holy Spirit thinks about spiritual things. If our minds, minds, okay, our mind, our will, our emotion, our soul are ruled by our desires, we will die. Means what you do is going to be nothing. It's going to be death, okay? 
But if our minds are ruled by the Spirit, we will have life and peace. You can see this, okay? When you find somebody who is being led by the Spirit of God, ruled by the Spirit of God, you find that peace in them because that's one of the fruits. You see joy in them. You see peace in them, right? But if you see somebody who is being led by their mind, carnal, a babe, they are constantly in issues, constantly under pressure, constantly under stress. Why? Because they're being ruled by the world and their mind is right in line with the world instead of being in line with the Holy Spirit. That's where you start seeing that huge separation. They're going after their own desires instead of going after the desires of God. If our desires fight against God because we do not and cannot obey God's laws, if we follow our desires, we cannot please God. You are no longer ruled by your desires, but God's Spirit who lives in you. People who don't have the Spirit of Christ in them don't belong to Him. But Christ lives in you. So you are alive because God has accepted you, even though your bodies must die because of your sins. Yet God raised Jesus to life. God's Spirit now lives in you, and He will raise you to life by His Spirit. That's what we know as the resurrection, right? My dear friends, we must not live to satisfy our desires. If you do, you will die. But you will live if by the help of God's Spirit you say no to your desires. Only those people who are led by God's Spirit are His children. That's in the Bible. I just read you that. Only those who are led by God's Spirit are His children. Wow. God's Spirit makes sure that we are His children. His Spirit lets us know that together with Christ, we will be given what God has promised. We will also share in the glory of Christ because we have suffered with Him. Now, that's pretty pretty straightforward that he's talking about there, that we are not to be led by our selfish desires. We are to be led by the Spirit of God. If we're, that word there, self, man, how do you, how do you define everything? This is, that's how I define sin. I was reading in Hebrews one day and when it talks about the the blood has cleansed us from an evil conscience. What's our conscience? Our mind, our will, our emotions, right? What's an evil conscience? An evil conscience is a selfish, self-centered, self-desired soul, conscience, all right? When I read that, I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, go back and read Adam and Eve. So I went back and I read in Genesis about Adam and Eve. And you know what, when it said, he said, I don't want you to partake of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? Remember, I just got done saying, he said, the blood has cleansed us from an evil conscience. So what is an evil conscience is what the Lord was showing me. So it says, the when they ate of that tree, they immediately saw that they were naked. That was the very first thing that happened when they ate of that tree. What is it that makes a person be aware of their nakedness? It's self-consciousness. You take a baby. I, I, I don't know exactly up to how many years. Probably varies with different. But you take a two-year-old out of the bathtub. Let's say you got friends over there in the living room. You're trying to 
dry that child off and you turn around to grab something and that child takes off out the door, buck naked, runs through the house, laughing and giggling. No clue that they're naked, right? You take a four-year-old child, they're like, no, I don't want nobody to see me. See, they went from a point of being totally unconscious of self to self-conscious. That's what happened with Adam and Eve. It says the first thing that happened, their eyes were open. They saw they were naked. They became self-aware, self-conscious. They became what I call sin. Because self, self-focused, self-conscious, self-self, inward, not outward, inward to self is sin. And that's when God told him, he said, I'm sorry. I didn't create this world to react and, and, and be uh, towards you because he starts listing off what they're going to have to do plowing the ground and having babies with pain and stuff so I didn't create it to be that way but now that you are self-centered self-aware you're going to have to go do it yourself and we see what happened to the point where right before Noah and he, God took Noah and his family off the earth in the boat the reason he did it was because that selfishness had so permeated humanity he had to spare eight people before it totally wiped out humanity and there was no redemption from it. It got that bad. Well, guess what? Today we have Holy Spirit to help us to keep from going that down that far into that hole of selfishness and thank God for him. And that's why he's living in, on the inside of us, helping transform us. <clears throat> so I'm going to wrap up here going back and reading on Romans chapter 12. And it has to be do with verse 2. And I'm reading this in the Amplified. So it's, it's Amplified. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves, set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. Do not be condemned to the... Sorry. Boo, clean my glasses off. Do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed, metamorphosized, a uh, worm to a butterfly, be transformed, metamorphosized, and progressively changed as, you're, as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind. Renewing of this. Our mind, our will, our emotions, Right? Focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what is the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. Okay, I'm going to end there, but I want to wrap this up. See if I missed anything in here. Not pretty much got everything that I wanted. The biggest thing I want to convey in teaching is bringing to light your understanding that you are the vessel of God. As, as this is right here, a vessel for this water, your spirit is the vessel of God. But Christ in us, okay, Christ, the Holy Spirit, that's who we're talking about, it's all one, wants to live out through us. He wants to permeate. He wants to break down that crust and move out into our soul and to permeate out into our soul and change our mind, our will, and our emotions 
to come into alignment with him. And we see that as he talks about in the fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, okay? He wants to change self into selflessness. Self is all implosion, inward. Selflessness is all outward. Reaching out, helping others, being, you know, there for other people. Instead of being selfish, you're being selfless, where you outward. That's where God wants to change us through his spirit permeating into us. And as he said, those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God, the children of God. So if we want to be in that place with God, where he recognizes as his children, we have to take the steps to do it. Um, I was talking to our, our youngest son today who just got home from college today, and he's going to work with me this summer. And he's going to school for business, so he's going to work with me in our business. And I said to him, and I had to write it down. I thought that was pretty good. I said, knowledge or knowledge or information that's not applied is not a qualification. So I was saying, just because you went to college, that doesn't qualify you to be fit for a job. You have to be able to take that knowledge and apply it, right, to get the practical skills of it. And that's what will qualify you for a job. Same thing. I can sit here and teach this tonight. You can listen to me. And then you can walk away like, like the Bible talks about. You look at your image in the mirror. You see yourself. And then the moment you walk away, you forget what you look like. I can show you how to allow the Holy Spirit to transform your life through the renewing of your mind. You can hear this as information you can get this knowledge but unless you apply it to your life and you start acting on it it does nothing you stay as paul calls them babes still needing milk if you want to really step into the fullness of god and really see what god wants you really want your life to be transformed you have to start renewing your mind you have to start realizing holy spirit's in you and he wants to live in you, and he lives through you. And you start being as the image of God. You know, and he says in John, when he comes back, we're going to know him because we're going to be like him. We're going to see him through us. You know, people say, man, if I could just spend a day with Jesus there on, on the shores of Galilee, you got him living on the inside of you. Every day, every moment of the day. Let him out. Let him permeate you. When you get up in the morning, spend, you've got 24 hours in a day. Get up in the morning for 30 minutes. Open your Bible. Come to the New Testament. Don't try to figure things out in the Old Testament because it's not the new covenant. It's not Christ in us in the Old Testament. It's pointing towards Christ in us. So come to the New Testament where it is Christ in us. And when you read the Bible, ask the Lord, ask the Spirit of God on the inside of you, Help me use this to transform my mind. Help me to see. Paul says it in a prayer in Ephesians. Lord, basically enlighten their minds. Show them the knowledge of you, the width, the depth, the height, the love that you have for them. Let that light shine through us. And we do that by the transformation, the renewing of our minds. Because we it's our mind. Literally, it's our minds being degenerate that stop us from really, really experiencing the things of God. 
And I'm speaking to myself, man. I'm preaching to myself right here more than anybody that I have to spend more time with God. Today, honestly, I got up late this morning, hit the ground running because I had an appointment early this morning. I had to get up. I jumped up, got in the shower. I prayed on the way there. You know, I spent time this afternoon, of course, preparing for tonight, but I did not spend my early time this morning with God like I would like to have. You know, and it really is, it's getting to the point where it affects my day negatively if I don't, because I am not really truly prepared for the day. If I haven't spent time with the Lord, praying, praying in the spirit, eating of the word of God and just talking to the Lord, you know, prayer is not always putting in prayer requests. Prayer is just communication with God. Um, you know, I like to, to visualize myself. He says, come to his throne of grace to find grace and mercy. I love to visualize myself coming before God sitting on his throne and I'm standing before him with no shame, completely washed by the blood of Jesus. And I say, Father, here am I as your child, spotless and clean because of what Jesus done for me. And therefore, because of that, I'm here to receive everything you have for me to help me to transform me so I can walk out in my life, your life that you predestined me to have. So anyways, I hope what I taught tonight helps somebody. Um, you know, I always think that every time I teach, if I can just affect one person, me doing this is worth it. You know, I don't have to have a crowd of a million. You know, I don't have to have the crowd of a hundred. If I can just affect one person and the way that they think and that they transform and change and they, they point their face towards God and they become a new uh, person with Christ in them, living out through them then it's all worth it for me to sit here for 46 minutes and talk to you about this right here. So God bless you guys. Share this video with friends. Share it, please. Get your friends to come over and, and like my page, Christiana 101.1. Because see, the 101.1 has to do with the application side of it. Christiana 101 is all about the information, the knowledge. Point one has to do with application applying it to your lives and letting it change you. And that's really my purpose behind doing these Bible studies on Thursday nights that I want to encourage you to put them into action in your life and allow God to change you. God's got great things for you. You know, I the other night, okay, I got to share this. In the meeting we had the other night, I realized that I understand some things different than other people do. And I spoke something and I heard a mature believer behind me kind of whisper, they don't get it. And so what I, what it was, was I was speaking, their, their vision was this big of what they seen. I was speaking like this, right? And, but I still took what I was saying and, and tried to get it out there for them to understand that God has a purpose for every one of us. Right, He woke me up in a vision in 1997, July 1997, said, this is the purpose for your life. This is what you're going to do in your life. And the fullness of that has not come to pass, but the last 22 years have been in preparation for that. Right, And so I was speaking to him. I said, everybody here, if you truly listen to God, there's a desire in your heart that you cannot let go. And that is God's leading you. Hey, that's going to be next week's teaching. Um, so you're going to have to tune in next week to hear it, but God has a purpose for you. 
But the gentleman afterwards said, you know, he said, he said, yeah, everybody has a purpose, but most of these people don't know it. Why? Because they're still babes. They're not mature Christians. They're not listening to the spirit of God. You know, we, we don't have to stay there. God wants us to grow and he wants to fulfill in our lives all he has. This life that we live, it's, there's always going to be hardship in this life. In this time, this frame of history, there's always going to be hardship. But how you face it has everything to do with everything. The story of Jesus with the disciples, they were crossing the lake. The storm came up. They were freaking out. And Jesus was asleep in the bottom of the boat. And they screamed and woke him up. They said, Lord, save us. We're going to die. He gets up. He rebukes the storm, calms down. And then he turns and he looks at them. Again, this is my redneck interpretation. He's like, dudes, seriously, I'm here in the boat with you, right? God Almighty himself, the resurrection and the life, I'm here in the boat with you. You're not going to die. No matter how big the wind and the waves, you're not going to die because I'm here with you. That's what God wants you to understand. No matter how big the wind and the waves and the storms around you, he's in the boat with us. He's there with us. And we just have to rest and relax and trust that he's there with us. And because he's there with us, He's going to get us through that no matter how loud the wind is howling, no matter how close the lightning's striking. He's going to get us through us because he's in the boat with us, right? He's in the boat with us. He dwells on the inside of us. So God bless you guys. Um, again, I hope just, just one person, at least one person gets this tonight and it makes a change in your life for good uh, just receive it. Just, you know, act on it. Apply it. Let the Holy Spirit out through the renewing of your mind. God bless you guys.